Welcome to Which Was Better, the podcast that aims to answer the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm your host, Lisa, and today's episode is the first of five where we will be deep diving into one of my favorite of all time series, the Twilight series. Yes, my friends, we are heading to Forks. If you missed my last bonus episode, I talked about my Twilight journey and what this entire franchise means to me. So if you're interested, please go check that out. I will leave a link in the show notes. Okay. Now, a couple of weeks ago, okay, so this has been, you doing Twilight has been on my brain for like years and I'm finally doing it. I'm like, yes, Twilight, I'm ready. So season two is kicking off with Twilight, but I do want to go back a couple of weeks. I caught a TikTok from Beth over at the cool table, which y'all, if you're not following them over on TikTok, get your life together. Go follow them. Anyways, okay, Beth stitched a TikTok of a guy speaking on book adaptations, like book to movie adaptations, where he started off by saying, you think it should be one-to-one copies of the books you've already read? And like Beth and this guy, yes, yes, I do. This is what I live for. I want to see the books I love taken from the page and put onto the screen so that I can fall in love with them all over again. If that means it has to be like a 15 hour cut so I can see every one of my favorite scenes played out on the screen, then I will do it. Y'all don't threaten me with a good time. I will sit through a 15 hour movie. But I know that's not realistic. Some things just don't translate from page to screen. So what I'm always chasing when I'm when watching, you know, a moody a movie adaptation is that same high I get from reading the book. Does the movie give me those same feels? Does it immerse me in a world that I already love and deepen that love? And in the end, which is better? Well, my friends, we're about to find out with book one of the Twilight series, the OG Twilight. Now, a few caveats before we begin. One, as I mentioned in that bonus episode I referred to earlier, I'm coming to these books from a very different view as they mean so much to me. So I'm going to be a lot more forgiving <laughs> for some things than I would be if I was coming to this as a brand new reader slash, you know, movie watcher. So y'all, it's just, you know, this is true love and true love lasts a lifetime. So name that movie. Okay. Two, I will, I will be speaking on these things as if I've never read Midnight Sun, because of course, knowing Edward's point of view changes things. I purposefully ignored the things I know and tried to remember what I felt back in the day when we only had Bella's point of view and we were like mainlining all the Edward (laughs) point of view fic we could like get our hands on. And y'all, weren't those some glorious days like hockey word, mafia word, geek word, you know, All right. I digress. I I say this because some of the notes that I took during reading this book, I had to go back and amend. Like I had to amend them because we weren't supposed to know these things about Edward. So if I say something and it's wrong now that we have Midnight Sun and we're aware of it, I'm pretending that we don't. And three, number three on this little list here is I've heard and read so many opinions regarding you know, all the discourse about these books highlighting harmful relationships, especially among teenagers. Y'all, I've, I've read a ton of it. I've read all the opinion pieces, the think pieces. Yes. Um, and while I don't take this lightly and I respect 
everyone's, you know, opinions on these. If you don't like these books, if you don't want to share them with people, if you don't want your kids reading them, I get it. That's you do what you got to do. For me personally, I just don't agree with this assessment. And that's because for me, these these books have always been paranormal, faded mates types books for me, you know, and as with most, if not all faded mates, you know, stories, none of it is rational. They are over the top at best and downright banana pants at worst. But in the end, they're they're just highly appealing to me because what's better than two stubborn people fighting their feelings when they're destined to be together or when someone has like superhuman strength, except when it comes to their mate and then they are like weak, y'all injected into my veins. I love it. But in all seriousness, though, I, I when I first read these, I was 30. My babies were babies. Now they're teenagers. So I will admit that there were parts of this that I read that I was like, ew, no. <laughs> but these are not books that I wouldn't keep my kids from reading. I think they've tried to read them and they're like, no, this is no, thank you. <laughs> I think they tried and they stopped. OK. So in the words of Alice Cullen during the baseball scene, it's time. So in case you've never read the books or if it's been a while, let's do a little refresher. Twilight, written by Stephanie Meyer, was first published by Little Brown and Company on October 5th, 2005. The book summary is as follows. Isabel Swans moved to Forks, a small perpetual rainy town in Washington, could have been the most boring move she's ever made. But once she meets the mysterious and alluring Edward Cullen, Isabella's life takes a thrilling and terrifying turn. Up until now, Edward has managed to keep his vampire identity a secret in the small community he lives in. But now nobody is safe, especially Isabella, the person Edward holds most dear. The lovers find themselves balanced precariously on the point of a knife between desire and danger. Deeply romantic and extraordinarily suspenseful, Twilight captures the struggle between defying our instincts and satisfying our desires. This is a love story with bite. Y'all give that copywriter still all the bonuses because <laughs> that was genius. <laughs> but seriously, the way I devoured this book back in the day and then again this time, because I, I hadn't read it in years. And so to go back into this world was amazing. And I think the first time I read it, I read it in like two days. It I know it wasn't more than three. And originally back in the day, it had been so long since I had read anything. And I was legit hooked from that first page. You know, looking back on that time in my life, I was a new mom. I was struggling with depression, anxiety. And I think this book gave me a way to, as ridiculous as it sounds, relive my teenage years again. Like I got to go back in time when I had zero responsibilities and all the crushes I had were like life consuming. And I did. I felt young again in my mind. It was it, it might sound sad to some people, but it was truly a lifeline for me at a time when I was like desperate for something, you know, that would allow my brain to breathe just to give me a break. And yeah, I I've literally fell in love with these books. And what I loved about them, you know, aside from igniting that love of reading again was Again, I think it's because I tapped into such a teenage mind frame. Um, I loved and I was obsessed with Bella's independence. Like she did all the grocery shopping. 
She did all the cooking. She got all her homework done early. Like she was like very regimented and very scheduled and very like, I do this and I do this. And this was so not me at that age. Like that's the way I am now. I love structure. I love um, routines. I love doing the same thing over and over again. It soothes me. Thank you, anxiety. But that's that was her on the page. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, You know, for me, it was also the angst of teenage relationships, the uncertainty. I thought this book absolutely nailed what it was like to crush on someone at that age. You know, as as much as people complain about, you know, Bella just constantly talking about how perfect Edward's face is and how beautiful he is and how otherworldly. And I think I've seen, you know, I, I, I remember reading think pieces where she has low self-esteem and all that. This girl calls Bella out on his shit all the time. <laughs> Like he's a straight up dick at the beginning to her and she's like, she gives her right back. Like she's like, oh, I'm not allowed to be a dick too. <laughs> and I do. I love that about her. Um, I also love her awareness of how obsessed she is with him and she kind of doesn't like it. Like she doesn't like the way she reacts to him sometimes. Now, granted, I, I don't think like, I think the reason she doesn't like it is because she thinks it's unrequited, unrequited. I can't say that word. Unrequited. She thinks he doesn't like her back. There we go. <laughs> and that's embarrassing for her, you know, more than anything else. But she does recognize because she says it several times throughout the book that her obsession with Edward is unhealthy. And I think that, you know, for a 16, 17 year old girl to recognize that, I think that's, you know, pretty rad. Um, I also loved, you know, once Edward decides, you know, that he's not going to like murder her. <laughs> I love how like delighted he is with her because he's been so alone and lonely and non-human for so long that I think just seeing her be like this playful teenager and her reactions to him and things that happen. I think he's just like delighted with her. And I loved that part of the book. So um. And this is going to sound strange coming from an adult woman. So please bear in mind that I recognize the fact that these are teenagers and I'm a grown woman and I'm not sitting here like lusting after them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm reading this thinking, you know, like what it would be like to read this as a teenager and how fun this would be knowing what I know now. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very convoluted, but there's so much touching in this book. Like it's all just very you know, non-sexual, like it's just face touching and like breathing in each other and just kind of like hand holding and like face caresses, but it's so sweet and it's so like swoony at times. I loved it. So there you go. That's basically what I love, you know, what drew me in initially about the book. And there are things that I hated. Don't get me wrong. There's always some things that you just, not everything can be perfect, even Edward's face, which, okay, it is. But things I hated in this book, the outfits, my God, y'all, the outfits. We're going to talk about it later, but <laughs> the clothes in this movie or in this book are bonkers. So we'll get to that in a minute um, when we talk about the movie, because they're very different. Um, things I also hated is... When Bella, like as much as I loved her and I loved, you know, her 
awareness of herself and her independence, she's also kind of mean to everyone at first. I, I, I think she's supposed to be like, um, self-conscious and like introverted a little bit, like her dad, like stoic and just not, but she comes off kind of mean to everybody. Like people like are naturally curious about her. She's a new student and they're like, Ooh, new person. And they all like actually befriend her. They're walking her to classes. They're inviting her to lunch. She gets in a car accident and they all go to the hospital and she like sneaks out. She doesn't even talk to them. She's so mean to them at the beginning. Of course she comes around and they become friends, but yeah, she's mean at the beginning. And Edward is also a major dick at the beginning. (laughs) I know I said that earlier, you know, she calls him out on it, but yeah, he calls her absurd and that she's ridiculous and that, you know, he gaslights her. Like it's, it's a little, it's a little banana pants at the beginning, but I got over it. And here's the thing I hate the most. And I wrote this in my notes in all caps, because to this day, it still bothers me a lot, as you might be able to tell from my voice. It's the fact that we are told at the beginning of this book that Rosalie and Jasper are twins and they are the Hales, not the Cullens, they're the Hales. And then it never comes up again and they get whole different backstories later in the book. Thanks. I hate it. It still bothers me. I totally forgot about it until (laughs) I started reading these again. And as soon as I saw the word twins, it all came rushing back. I hate it. I I don't understand why that even came up at the beginning because it doesn't come up again. And yes, I'm still irritated. Okay. So now let's talk about the movie. Like I said, I was obsessed with this book. I read them. You know, I, I read these right before the movie came out. So I got to read, I think that by the time the first Twilight came out, I think I got to read the first three. So I was in it and I was ready for this movie. It was already cast. It was coming out. I was ready. So let's talk the movie. The movie premiered November 21st, 2008 with Kristen Stewart playing Bella and Robert Pattinson playing Edward. The movie summary is pretty much the same as the book, but I'm still going to read it anyway. So here's the movie summary. High school student Bella Swan, always a bit of a misfit, doesn't expect life to change much when she moves from sunny Arizona to rainy Washington state. Then she meets Edward Cullen, a handsome but mysterious teen whose eyes seem to peer directly into her soul. Edward is a vampire whose family does not drink blood and Bella, far from being frightened, enters into a dangerous romance with her immortal soulmate. (laughs) So there you go. Book description's better. I will tell you that. Okay. So let's start off with the things that this movie nailed. Like, I just think like, yes, it's everything I wanted from reading it in the book, everything I wanted to see on screen and they just nailed it. So right off the bat, the opening, my God, I love the opening to this movie. Like immediately you see all the green, you can almost feel the dampness of the forest and you can almost smell it. Like it just hits you in forks. This is happening. And I remember sitting in that theater the first time and being so like, oh my God, this is the, this is it. It's, it's here. Like it's, it's in front of me. Yes. Loved it. The music, y'all, the music. Alexandra Patsavas, which I'm sure I butchered that. So I apologize, is brilliant. Like all of the music in every one of these movies, it just doesn't miss. You can play just a tiny, tiny sliver of any one of these songs on the soundtrack and 
you're instantly there. You know exactly what's seen, exactly what's happening at any time. And y'all just iconic. Nailed it every time. Okay, here's where we're going to talk about the clothes. Wardrobe. Look, it's not hard to do better than Edward's sleeveless button-down shirt. (laughs) Every time I try to picture it, it cracks me up. Sleeveless, button-down, and it's white. Yeah, sure. And Bella's long khaki skirt. Is it a denim skirt? Is it like knitwear it still baffles me and it's long is it down to her ankles why why is it khaki I, everything about it is just what <laughs> so it's not hard to do better than that from the books but y'all the entire vibe that the Cullens put out especially because you know yes I've seen a lot of the behind the scenes where they talk about how they specifically dress most of the cult like all of the Cullens in white except for Edward and he's in dark colors to make him stand out I just, (laughs) I loved all of their outfits. Yes, obsessed. And the way they styled Bella, you know, like (laughs) they made her in the book sound like she shopped at like Talbot's or something. I don't know. It was, (laughs) it was a little too old for her, like the descriptions in the book. So in the movie, like she's in jeans and she's in like cute, you know, sweaters and I don't know, she's just really cute. And I, I loved her whole look. I thought it worked. Okay. Next is casting. So I did not have the luxury of reading these books, you know, when they first came out. Um, So I had no dream cast in my mind. It wasn't like I read all these in, you know, 2005 and in the subsequent years. And so I've been, I was waiting for, you know, casting news and all that. And I had dream casts and, oh, that it can only be this person. And, oh my gosh, I can't believe they picked this person. Like, no, I, I decided to read these books because the movie was already coming out and I saw Kristen Stewart and that quote unquote kid from Harry Potter on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. And I was like, I want to see this and I want to read the book. Let's do this. So I say that because I thought everyone was perfectly cast and like no misses. But my most favorite out of the bunch, Jessica. Y'all, Anna Kendrick was just perfection as Jessica. She cracked me up. She was so funny in that role and just like the perfect teenage frenemy I loved her and okay maybe Charlie you know hello cop stash but there we go casting loved it okay so let's talk about some scenes in the movie that I think that they nailed car accident scene that you know of course that's one of the first things that you're just like desperate to see in the movie at least I was and it worked the van shove the way they looked at one another, shocked, the crowding, like all the other kids running and Edward jumping out and running away. When they pan to the Cullens and they're pissed at what he did because now they're threatened. I just, it was, it was perfect. Um, the, oh, another car scene, the Port Angeles saving scene. Ugh. When Edward whips that car around and flings open the door and says, get in the car. And he's all angry and he hits that gas pedal and peels out. Yeah, that shouldn't be hot. It shouldn't. Because one, he's trying not to like straight up murder all those dudes. And two, I'm 44 and these are teenagers. But it is. I'm sorry, it is. Get in the car. Yes, still works. The baseball scene. (laughs) 
In the book, it's fun. In the movie, hello. Supermassive black hole with uh, Jackson Rathbone playing Jasper doing that bat flip at the plate. Hello, please and thank you. Yes. It's everything I wanted in that scene and then some. And then there's Edward playing the piano. That's it. That's the tweet. Done. And the last part, the last one that I really thought that they nailed, which makes me so sad, (laughs) is when Bella has to leave Charlie to protect him and she has to break his heart, his face, when he leaves, the way he's just like stunned at the door when she walks out. um, It's so heartbreaking. It's so well done. Like, yes, it's it's stripped down to, you know, what was in the book, but it works. So, okay. Now let's talk about things I'm glad the movie added. They weren't in the book, but I'm glad that they were, you know, part of the movie. First is meeting Jacob and Billy immediately, like almost immediately. Bella gets to Forks. She's in her room. Her dad's outside and he starts talking to somebody. She looks out and it's Jacob and Billy bringing the truck that he bought for her. I think we needed to meet Jacob way earlier than we did in the book for it to, you know, work in the movie. He doesn't show up in the book until like 25% of the way. And by meeting him and his dad early, it helps, you know, it, it yes, it helps to establish the relationship already with um, Jacob and Bella because, you know, I think it works better than meeting before they meet on the beach. She already knows him. I think that works better. But also it explains Billy's concern for Bella being with Edward, like later in the movie. When we meet them right up front, we already know these are family friends. They've known each other forever. There's already a relationship here. So they already care about Bella. And I think it works better way up front in the movie. Um, another thing that I'm glad that they added was the expanded um, scene when Bella goes to meet the Cullens. <laughs> Because in the in the book, yes, she comes over and yes, she meets Carlisle and Esme and, you know, eventually Alice and Jasper, but Emmett and Rosalie aren't around. But in the movie, we see them all cooking dinner for her, which was hilarious. Er- Emmett waving that knife. <laughs> them just like being like, we're glad to use the kitchen. It was hilarious. And we see everyone like, instead of being told Rosalie may or may not like Bella, like hate Bella. We see it. Like my girl crushes a whole glass bowl. (laughs) And there's that line in the background, always busting my bowls. (laughs) Gets me every time. And I just think it works. I I really liked it. Um, Okay. So butt crack Santa, (laughs) as silly as his nickname is, I do like that they brought in this character to show the James and Victoria threat early. We don't get, we don't even get to anything remotely threatening or violent until about 75% of the way into the book. Up until then, it's all Bella and Edward navigating the relationship with no real outside threats. And I do love how much we get of them in the book. But if we did that in the movie, it would have been shocking with like, you know, the last third of the movie, all of a sudden other vampires show up and threaten her. You know, it's. It just makes more sense to add this little side plot where you can see that there's a threat in the area. There's people that are, you know, 
being murdered. They can't figure out why. And then poor butt crack Santa. He gets it. But, you know, again, I think it adds to it and it shows, you know, early on there's good vampires and bad vampires and that above it all, this isn't a game people can and will get hurt. So I liked it. And then the last thing that I'm glad that they added was the fight scene at the ballet studio. Okay, so this this scene in the book is limited to, you know, it's pretty much all in Bella's head. All of the action is given to us peripherally. You know, just her thoughts, her pain in the moment, just we get like glimpses of what's happening. Now, I could <laughs> I could seriously take or leave Edward and James in the movie like <laughs> hissing at each other and Edward ripping chicken cutlets out of James's neck. But seeing Alice run and climb James like a tree and rip his head off, chef's kiss, 10 out of 10, no notes. I, I love that scene. So there you go. So it's all been love from, from at the beginning, but now we're going to talk about things that missed the mark for me in the movie. All right. Things that missed the mark for me, starting off with Edward's struggle with his attraction to Bella. Yes, in the movie, we see him physically respond to her at first. Like he's holding his breath. He's obviously glaring at her. We see that he has a reaction to her. But then we kind of move into, he comes in back after his, you know, let me go figure stuff out. And then he starts talking to her. But it's, it's for me, it was kind of disjointed because in the book, it's a lot more push and pull. He's much more hot and cold in their first interactions, you know, but in the movie, he just comes off mostly mad. And speaking of mad, let's talk about more of that. The entire confession scene in the woods, it's, it's too aggressive for me. Like I, reading the book and then watching the movie immediately, it it was really shocking because it's very different in the book. And I get that he's still trying to get her to forget about him, to keep her safe. You know, I roll. But after reading the book where they spend whole ass chapters talking and learning about each other. And, you know, also in the book that Port Angeles dinner scene and the drive home is them just revealing themselves and making declarations only for in the movie for it to all be combined into one angry rush scene in the forest while skipping school. It it just, it, it really just missed it for me this time around. I was like, what? This, this is bonkers. Side note, how did no one see them leaving campus? Like they both just walk off into the woods and I guarantee you that somebody saw and somebody was like, what are they doing? Why are they going into the woods? Hello. Anyways, but you know, that scene when they're in the woods and he's like, you know, behind her, she's like, I know what you are, <laughs> you know, and he gets mad and he starts throwing trees and, you know, as if you could outrun me, all of that. That's in the book. You know, Edward does get mad at Bella, you know, because he wants her to see him for what he is. But there's also in the book, this underlying shame that he carries, like he wants Bella to be scared of him. So maybe she'll finally just leave and he can just, you know, 
make sure she's safe and just pine for her on his own. But he's also kind of ashamed for her to see what he really is. And I just don't think the movie pulled it off in the same way. He's just straight up mad the whole time. And it's, it's such a back and forth in the book. It's, it's much more nuanced. He like struggles and we just see that a lot more. So yeah, that didn't really work for me. Also at the end, I'm not the, I wrote in my notes, the post fight hospital scene and I'm not talking about the one from when she almost gets in the car crash I'm talking about the end after James and she's in, she wakes up in the hospital in the movie it's very rushed and frenzied and she's all over the place and she has that horrible what oh my god no it's it's awful it's <laughs> I have to look away um and in the book they have a much longer detailed conversation about their future. Like you can tell Edward is already starting to try and pull away and he's just kind of placating her, but they do have a much more extended conversation and she's not so frenzied. She's not so like erratic. She's, she's aware, like she can feel deep down that he's pulling away and it scares her. And she does like kind of panic, but it's not nearly as (laughs) rushed as in the movie. So yeah, it, it didn't really work for me. Plus I wish that we had that little scene because in the book, there's a part where Edward's like, well, you didn't smell right. And she's like, what? And he's like, you had too many blood transfusions and it made you smell wrong for a little while. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And that would have been fun to see in the movie. But there you go. Okay. Here are things not in the movie that I miss. You know, things from the book that I wish had made it into the movie. The first one is impossible. Because, well, I'll just say it. All of the conversations that Bella and Edward have while getting to know one each other, one another, they're pretty much dissolved into like, you know, a couple of conversations and then like a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A montage towards, you know, in the tree right after she goes to see his room, that sort of thing. And I mean, I know I spoke about the times in the book when Edward is such a dick and Bella calls him out on it. And yes, we get some of that in the movie, but you know, it's not as much. And we also get zero, like almost zero of their playful moments from the beginning when they're first dancing around each other and figuring each other out. Like Bella is all in her feels because everything is fresh and exciting and she can't believe anything is, you know, any of this is happening. And Edward, poor Edward, he's like, just amazed that one he's found someone after this many years but also two that he's finding joy in like these like these old dusty human impulses that he thought were long dead like we kind of don't get that in the movie and I I get that we don't really have time to explore all that because then it would be like a Richard Linklater before sunrise type of thing but I would, I would have watched that. I would have eaten that up, but I get it. You, you have to keep the action going. You only have so many minutes in a movie to, to progress the story. So I get it, but I do wish we would have just had a little bit more of their establishing their relationship and feeling each other out and all that. So to kind of build off of that, all of their touching again, we get next to none of this 
in the movie, like in the book, they can't keep their hands off one another. They're always testing boundaries and it's all just so tactile and, you know, it's just the way you are when you're first in a relationship and you're just like constantly like touching. We don't really see them touch a whole lot in the movie. Yeah, they, you know, he throws her on his back, (laughs) that kind of stuff. But there's not these like really soft, private, hidden moments that we get in the book where he just like kind of leans in and he just like very, very cautiously like touches her cheek or like touches her hair. You know, we just we don't see that part. So, yeah, I missed it. Um, one thing that is just completely not even referred to in the movie is Bella's big decision. So in the book, Bella, you know, is struggling after she talks to Jacob and hears all of his, like, um, his family's like history and like the story of the wolves and the cold ones and all. She's starting to put, you know, two and two together. She's starting to figure it out. And she's struggling to make sense of what she suspects Edward to be, you know, a vampire. So in her frustration, she walks into the woods behind her, you know, her dad's house. And she's trying to figure out what Edward is, how she feels about it, all of it together. And eventually she comes to a decision. Like it's a big moment where she's like, okay, this is it. My choice is made. I've, I've gone through all the steps. This is the worst part is the agonizing over it, but now I've made my decision and that's it. It's done. And that pretty much solidifies everything from her from that moment on. All of her choices are made based on this one decision. She doesn't care what Edward is. She doesn't care. She just wants to be with him. She knows it might be dangerous, but she's like, I've made my mind up and that's it. And we get zero of that in the movie. We get a quick, I don't care in the forest. I don't care what you are, but it's so much more detailed in the book. We really see her mind working through it and letting the audience know like, nope, this is my decision. And she does this outside of Edward's like presence without any influence. And we don't get that in the movie. We also don't get Edward's confession like to her. So he takes Bella to meet his family, you know, and she meets Carlisle. She hears about his history as a vampire. Edward basically reveals their whole family history dating back like hundreds, you know, sometimes when he starts talking about the old vampires, thousands of years, and he's showing her things in their house that relate to their history. And at, you know, at one point he looks at her and she's like, what? And he's just like, you know what? I thought I'd be relieved to tell you the truth about what I am and who I am. But it's more than that. He's like, I like you knowing. It makes me happy. Like he loves her knowing exactly who he is. And he feels like joy from that. And we don't get that scene in the movie. And I'm sad because I really loved it. (laughs) Oh, and another scene I really loved is... Jasper. Okay. One thing that bothers me is they don't really touch on Jasper's gift at all. He can shift moods. So, you know, Edward can read minds, Alice can see the future and Jasper can change the mood. So if he feels you being very anxious, he can calm you. If he feels people getting mad, he can calm the room, that sort of thing. 
So there's a moment after Jasper and Alice take Bella on the run to hide from James where Bella is very concerned. She's very upset because she's like, I can't believe I'm putting this whole family in danger just for my, just for me, like little old me. And Jasper is like, you know what? I can hear what you're, he's like, I, I know what you're thinking and you are worth it. And he takes this like moment to like calm her down and say, you are worth it. Our only priority right now is not to lose you. You, you're already part of us. And it's such a sweet moment. And it really shows how much the Cullens love each other and rally around, you know, Edward and, you know, obviously Bella now. And they just don't play that up. They don't really play up his gift. They don't really make use of it. We don't get that scene at all. And I I do think we miss part of it. You know, like, I think that that would have been a nice little scene to show how much she's already into the Cullen family. But, you know. Like I said, there's only so much time. So the last thing is that we don't get in the movie at all is Alice's backstory. And I totally forgot about this until I started reading the book again. Alice was a mystery. She just showed up. She didn't have any memories of being human. She doesn't know how she got turned, nothing. But we find out in the fight scene with James in the ballet studio that he knew Alice. He once tried to like do the same thing he's doing with Bella, like attack her and somebody turned her into a vampire. And we find out she lived in like an insane asylum and she was always kept in the dark. And it's really sad, but we don't get any of it. We have no idea. We just, we never really hear about Alice's backstory. Let's move on to the couple of things that I could have lived without (laughs) in the movie. It's not a lot, but There's a couple. The first one is, this is the skin of a killer, Bella. (laughs) Okay, so I don't have a problem with him sparkling. I don't. I don't care. It's not that big a deal for me. I'm not like a Dracula vampire traditionalist where I'm like, how dare they? You know, how dare Stephanie Myers take this lore and change it to be sparkly? I don't care. Whatever. They're vampires. This is all made up. It doesn't bother me. But that scene (laughs) in the movie where he like builds it up, (laughs) because in the book, he's like, no, we cannot be killed by the sun, but we can't go out in the sun. One, you know, one day I'll show you. And it's like built up to be this like weird thing. And then he finally takes her out into the sun and he sparkles and it just cracks me up. So in the movie, he turns around and man, he sure does. He's like glittery (laughs) and it's so goofy and he's so sparkly and shiny. And she's like, oh my God, you're like beautiful. And he's like, beautiful. This is the skin of a killer. My dude, you're sparkling. Please don't say that you're a killer. It's just, (laughs) it does not work. And it's so goofy. Okay. And the other one is spider monkey. Y'all. I could have gone my entire life without that spider monkey scene, which is sad because in the book, he does sort of do that. He calls her a little coward. He says, all right, little coward, come on, because she hates, hates when he throws her on his back and runs through the forest. (laughs) I would have rather had that times a million than him saying, hold tight, spider monkey. And then that bizarre CGI of them 
flying through and climbing trees. Yeah, I could have gone without that. So not a whole lot, but there it is. So after all of that, book, seeing everything in the movie, determining what worked, what didn't, what I missed, what I could have done without, which one was better? Y'all, are you going to be surprised? I don't know. I got to go with the khaki skirt on this one. (laughs) I will choose the khaki skirt over everything in the movie. Yes, the book. The book just does it for me. Like, I'm grateful for the movie. I'm so glad it exists. I love it's it's a fun thing to put on and be like, oh, my God, there they are. But in the end, if I could only have one, it's got to be the books, even with dickish Edward at the beginning. (laughs) khaki skirts, sleeveless shirts, all of it. Yes. So it's the book for me. And that's it. We did it, y'all. We did. We covered Twilight. But what I want to know now is what are your thoughts? Was there anything from the books that you had wished were different in the movies? Was, you know, was there anything in the movies that you were like, I loved it? I mean, which was better for you? Book? Movie? Let me know. Let me know on Instagram at which was better or email me at lisa at which was better.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, I could talk about Twilight all day. So yes, hit me up. Let me know what you thought. And don't forget to check out the website at which was better.com where you can find all the episodes along with book reviews and other bookish posts. And you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter where I send out recaps, reviews, and book recommendations to add to your TBR. So yeah, check it out. And as always, thank you to everyone for listening and sharing these episodes. I really do appreciate it so much. So, all right, y'all. See you next time. Bye.